Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for listening, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching on demand or whether you're listening to our podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. So if this is the first time for a while or this is your first time ever, this is the perfect time. We're actually going to be starting a series called Money Talks. Now, I don't want to stress you out knowing that we're only a few seconds into this. I want us to to take a deep breath, and I know for some of us, we have some baggage of, man, the pastor's going to be talking about money. Listen, I'm not going to ask for any money. Um, uh, as we talk about this over the next couple of weeks, we're not going to be asking anything, any money from you. But we are going to ask one thing, and that is that you'd be open with your ears, with your mind, and with your heart about what we're going to talk about. We believe that our model is Jesus, and we're going to hear more from Jesus uh, about money and we're going to find out that he never asked for money. So have you ever found yourself, you, maybe you, uh, you have said to yourself, man, I should have known. I should have known about the warranty before buying it. I, I should have test drove before signing my name on the contract. Or maybe for you, it's no, 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 no. I, I shouldn't have went to the grocery store when I'm hungry. I, I, I shouldn't have bought sight unseen. Truth is, the way that you and I handle money says a lot about us. It says a lot about you, and it says a lot about me. See, sometimes when we're left to our own devices, when we're left to our own emotions and appetites, man, we get money wrong. We get it wrong. Um, we have a hard time answering the question, what's best for us? See, as we find out over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear, if our money could talk, it would say a few things. And the shocker isn't what it would say. The shocking thing is the fact that what it says parallels and runs in with what Jesus said about money. Truth is, Jesus said more about money than he said about heaven. Yeah, yeah, the thing that was on people's minds, Jesus was talking about, and that was money. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about heaven. See, Jesus spoke in parables, and a parable is a story with a spiritual meaning that is meant to be applied into one's life. So Jesus had 38 parables. 16 of those had to do about money and possessions. Jesus talked a lot about money, but he never asked for money. There are two situations where Jesus asked for a couple of things. He asked for a coin, but that was for an illustration. And he asked for a boy's lunch, but that was to feed thousands of people fact is Jesus didn't ask about money but he talked about it a lot and there is a reason for that the culture back then was an agricultural economy meaning what people had back then was different than what we have today we have a lot more than what people had back then the most of the people that Jesus ministered to didn't have a lot of money it was scarce to them uh, when they did get paid they used it to buy ingredients to make food they used it to buy materials to make clothes or to build things around their home. Money wasn't a big thing back then. It wasn't a lot of it, and it was scarce to the people Jesus was talking to. So if Jesus talked so much about money, he was definitely up to something. He was after something, and it wasn't people's money. He wasn't some TV evangelist that says, hey, I'm going to get, if you give me 10, I'll give you 1,000. It wasn't anything like that. Jesus wasn't after people's money. He was after something much, much different. If money could talk, I believe that one of the things that money would say to you and to me is this. I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of life. 
I believe that that's what money would tell us. I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. It would remind us that it rarely gets attention at funerals. It would remind us that it's a better means than it is an end. I don't have to be a pastor to to let you in on this. Growing up, I had friends that we played baseball together, and his parents played the lottery all the time. They ended up winning the lottery, and it destroyed everything. Money was a means, uh, was an end to them, not a means. See, being a means to an end is what makes anything meaningful. Instead, for them, you make money an end, and you may end up alone. His parents ended up divorced. His parents ended up not liking each other. My friend was very disconnected to his parents. They thought money would be the answer to their problems, to their issues, to their challenges, and it wasn't. See, when you and I, when money is a means rather than an end, it adds meaning to your life. It adds meaning to my life. I don't want you to miss this. Being a means to an end is what makes anything meaningful. That's what it means to have a meaning. And it's true for you too. If you want a meaningful life, if you want to live a meaningful life, you must become a means to an end that's not you. See, when you decide to be a means to an end, your money becomes a means rather than an end as well. Money was designed to be used as a tool instead of you being the tool. This is what Jesus taught in one of his parables that we're going to lean into this morning. And so we're going to jump right into the story. So I'm just going to read this together. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. So basically he had a rich guy and he brought in a guy to manage his wealth. He bought sold, traded things on his behalf. One day a report came in that the manager was wasting his employer's money. I mean, this dude had some shady side deals going on. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Notice the guy admits to it. He says, get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The guy got fired. So he was supposed to wrap up all of these deals that he still had on the trading block. So he went out and did just that. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. I mean, this guy is telling us in so many words. He's like, I'm too lazy to work and I'm too lazy to beg. I like what I do and I want to keep doing what I do. So I have limited time, limited opportunity to do something. I need I need to find a friend that's going to hire me after I lose my job, after I get all these accounts in order. He says, ah, I know how to ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. I mean, again, he had limited time and he made a judgment call. Now the people listening are thinking, okay, this dude totally had the authority to discount it, but to cut it in half took some guts. Notice what else he does. 
And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. He says, I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The implication he, is that he kept doing it to people after people after people who owed his employer something. And so the employer found out. Jesus picks up. He says to the rich man, and at this point, man, people are, are, are just tuned in thinking, okay, this guy is going to go to jail. This guy might even be executed. I mean, there's no way that this rich man is going to let this guy get by with this. I mean, there's a lot of things being lost. And Jesus just had a way to tell a story. So as people leaned in, they are not expecting what he's about to say. He says the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. People are thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. So this guy got fired, but yet he was still applauded by the rich man. Well, yeah, because Jesus says this. It's true. The children of this world are more shrewd, meaning thoughtful, forward-thinking, in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. So he compares two groups of people. You have the children of this world and children of the light. And the children of this world mean they only see this life as this life. There's, the focus is that this life means more than anything else. That um, the children of the light, on the other hand, they realize that this life isn't the only life, that there's a life to come. So Jesus is helping us understand that the manager was commended for taking full advantage of his limited time and opportunity. Jesus' point to his followers is, do the same thing. You have limited time and opportunity. We are to use our money and our possessions and our wealth to, to, for our broader framework, which is eternity. So then Jesus leans in, he gets very specific, he says this. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And according to Jesus, money is a means. Money is a means. It's not an end. It's a means to an end that goes beyond us. Jesus was helping his, his disciples, the crowd, know that this very important truth, that it's important for us to use our right now resources for a forever, to make a forever difference. The fact is that we can't take it with us. As Jesus is always right, we should view 100% of what we have as a means to an end. So this is a question I would love all of us to ask ourselves. How can I leverage more of what I have as a means to an end that's about him? I'll ask that question again. How can I leverage more of what I have as a means to an end that's about him? So before Jane and I, we got married, we had dated for a couple of years. And one of the things that we decided to do is figure out, talk through what it would look like when we got married, how much money we would give, save, and live on. And so before we were, were married, we attended the same church. And we both tithed. So whatever we made, we gave 10% of what we made back to the local church. And then we did what was called faith promise. And faith promise um, was where you put some additional money aside on top of that percentage. And you gave to support missionaries around the world. So Jenny and I, we both did that. So when we got married, we knew that we would give a minimum of 10% of what we made. We would live on 10%. Uh, we would save 10%. And then we would live on 80%. 
we also knew that anything that we owned, anything that we had, also belonged to God, which was meant to be used for other things, to help people, to support people. And then the things that maybe we grew out of or maybe things we no longer needed or when baby girl grew, we were able to give clothes away. Now here's one thing that we learned. We learned this, is we turn stuff into stories and we turn baby clothes into conversations. We turn stuff into stories and we turn baby clothes into conversations. And we don't even miss the stuff. See, this should be a factor in making financial decisions for you. Do I want more stuff or do I want more stories? Do I want more stuff or do I want more stories? At funerals, people tell stories. They don't show stuff off. Every time we drive by the property, every time we drive by Chick-fil-A, every time we drive by the school, every time we drive by where we're having our summer camp, man, I think to myself, I'm so grateful for the families that have committed some of their financial wealth, some of their financial um, the paychecks or whatever the case is, they back our church financially. Y'all, I can't thank you enough. If you've committed to giving to our church, I can't thank you enough because it allows us to accomplish things that I would never have dreamed of for our church to accomplish. Because of you, we have a camp space and we're able to offer scholarships to families outside of our church, one that has special needs. Guys, thank you for that. We're able to close on a property and hopefully begin putting a facility on that property over the next six to eight months. Guys, I can't thank you enough because of your generosity allows us to do things like that. It's awesome. So what do you want? Do you want more stuff or do you want more stories? Do you want more stuff or do you want more stories? Jesus' point is, look, money can add meaning to your life, but it is not the meaning of life. He continues, he said, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Jesus was helping us understand that money is a test. Like the manager, we have a little bit of money for a short period of time to do what we have indicates whose kingdom we are most devoted to. So either we're using our money for our kingdom or Jesus's kingdom. Do you want more stuff or do you want more stories? He continues, if you're not faithful with other people's things, remember everything that we have is God's. Why should you be trusted with things of your own? Like if money could talk, you would confirm what Jesus said. I'll still be here when you're gone. The moment you think you own me, I own you. See, we are managers, not owners. If we're going to leave it, that means we're only managing it. Like if you believe Jesus' words that everything belongs to God, that means that he's given you an opportunity to manage. And here's what I don't want you to miss. Although money is a means, Jesus is the end. Although money is a means, Jesus is the end. A- another way we can say it is, although money can add meaning to your life, Jesus is the only one who can provide us the meaning of life. Although money can add meaning to your life, Jesus is the only one who can provide us the meaning of life. If, let me ask a question. If being a means to an end is what gives your life meaning, then to what ends do you want your life to be a means? Let me, let me ask that again. 
If being a means to an end is what gives your life meaning, then to what ends do you want your life to be a means? Like, how do you want people to celebrate you when you're gone? What do you, what do you want them to talk about? Do, they, do, do, you want, do you want them to share stories or show off some stuff? I believe that our emotions and our appetites, they'll decide for us. If we don't have an answer to that question, our emotions and appetites are going to answer that question for us. To what ends do you want your life to be a means? If we don't have an answer to that, it's going to be accumulation. It's going to be consumption. It's going to be consumerism. It's going to be upgrades, fashion forward, a house full of stuff. That's what it's going to be for us if we don't answer that question. See, you live for yourself and you only have yourself to show for yourself, along with some stuff that people are going to fight over when you're gone. It means, look, if it means being a means to an end gives life meaning, okay, which I would believe that we all want to believe, to what ends do I want my life to be a means? See, when you and I, we identify and embrace the meaning of your life, your money becomes a means as it was intended to be. Luke tells us, as Jesus finished teaching, notice what happens. The Pharisees, the professional Jews, who dearly loved money, heard all of this and scoffed at him. See, they allowed their emotions, they allowed their appetites to dictate their next actions, and that was to put Jesus on a bogus trial, and we all know what happened after that. See, their emotions and their appetites caused them to scoff at Jesus. And we know what happens after that. So the question how often have we scoffed at Jesus about his teaching on money? For most of us, we, I know most of us who have listened, we have a church background. And we've avoided going down this road because, quite honestly, we don't like what he talked about. And we've scoffed at Jesus. And how really has that led your life to be? Maybe for you, this is the first time you've heard anything about this. You had no idea about any of this. Hopefully, it's inspired you to trust Jesus with something that we deem very important, and that's, that's money. What I would like to, for us to do is, is this. I want us to think about what our life has been like. What, what has your life been like? What has my life been like when we've trusted Jesus? Things usually turn out for the better. This is an invitation that Jesus is giving all of his followers Trust me. If you trust me with your soul, you can trust me with your money. Remember, the only thing that we're asking for over the next couple of weeks is that we, you would lend your ear, you would lend your mind, you would lend your heart to us. Again, this is not about money. This is so much more. This is about your heart. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we've carved out either this morning or whenever we're listening to this. Father, our, our goal every week is that we would inspire people to follow Jesus. And that was our intended goal today with this message, is that we would be inspired to follow you. And part of following you means trusting you. Father, we recognize that money is a means and Jesus is the end. Help us to do what we can to build God's kingdom by our financial investment. 
help us to recognize and realize that it's only by faith that we please you. And giving and tithing, that's a huge step of faith. And so, Father, I'm asking that you would inspire us to financially invest in your kingdom, that we would be more concerned about stories than stuff. In Jesus' name, amen.